is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker and a career and executive coach, and today I'm so excited to welcome my special guest, Nicole Lynn Lewis, to the show. Nicole is going to tell her story of being a black teen mom who entered the College of William and Mary and graduated with honors four years later. Nicole, I'm so excited to talk about your journey and your amazing book. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. I'm delighted to be with you. I have so enjoyed your book. I literally devoured it in a few days. So I'm really eager to unpack it. But you have such a, an interesting story, with, which starts with being a teen mom and, and entering college with a three-month-year-old. So set the stage, bring us back to what that was like. Well, it was uh, definitely scary. I I remember I got pregnant my senior year of high school and had this stack of college acceptance letters on one side of my desk and a pregnancy test, a positive test on the other. And it was really difficult to see how those two things could come together, how I could carve out a future for myself and my daughter um, with that situation. You know, I didn't have any role models in my in my environment, my neighborhood, my school, who had gotten pregnant young and had gone on to college, the the girls that I knew who were in that situation, you know, they just disappeared. And, um, and so I didn't have, you know, someone to look to, to say, well, they did it so I can do it. And that also compounded by, you know, hearing the very negative stereotypes, the messaging around teen pregnancy that your life is over, you're not going to go to college, you're not going to be successful. All of those things were working together to create a really dismal outlook for me, even though I was this honor roll student who had come into this situation. And um, and it was hard. There are many days that I had to really push through those doubts that other people had about me and, and my own doubts and say, you know what, I want to stay on this path to college. And over the next year was probably one of the most difficult years of my life. I was homeless for periods of time and in this really tumultuous relationship with my daughter's father and um, nothing about my life said college. And, uh, you know, just getting to campus on that first day as a freshman was extremely hard. And I started, as you said, with uh, a three-month-old baby and uh, not much in terms of resources to pay for tuition and books. Um, but I had a real desire to to make it work because I knew that's what my daughter needed. So what was that like? I mean, how did you handle going to class and taking care of your daughter simultaneously? Did you have someone help with with watching her? No, uh, it was very much a, a like we see with many young parents. Childcare is one of the most difficult things, you know, and and even for any parent of any age, right? I mean, childcare yeah. is extremely difficult. I think we've seen that in the past year, um, and so I had to really piecemeal childcare together. My first year, my freshman year, I was driving 150 miles uh, to and from campus uh, each day, and uh, I had my my uh, daughter's um, aunt was able to watch her, but it was transportation wise, extremely difficult to get her to her house and then to get all the way up to campus. And, and then my, yeah. yeah, yeah, very expensive. And of course I didn't have reliable transportation. And, and then my uh, sophomore and junior year was able to put her in a childcare center on campus, but I was paying full price. Uh, you know, yeah. 20 years ago, I was paying $800 a month as a, as a single mother and a, and a college student. 
And um, and then finally, my senior year, I was able to put her into a Head Start program just as I was about to get kicked out of, of the child care center because I couldn't afford it anymore. And so it was this daily struggle of, you know, how do you survive through the next 24 hours? How do you make sure you have heat in the winter and your rent is paid and you have the textbook for class and the diapers and the baby wipes and the child care is lined up? And I couldn't focus on, you know, the next year or two. I just had to get my daughter and I through the next 24 hours. And, you know, thank you for being so vulnerable and so poignant in the book. And you you talk about the uh, the difficulty that teen parents face, the stigma in our society that that doesn't go away, even when you're in a college and, and a college of, of the caliber of, of William and Mary, right? High stakes. You you also talked about how um, you know the obvious things that that other mothers get to enjoy, like Mother's Day, and and even just having that support network for postpartum depression, for example. So, what was that like? Feeling like the kind of the unmother, if you will. We definitely, I think, um, you know, we celebrate, we honor, we validate certain mothers, and those those, those are often the mothers that take maybe a traditional path. Uh, to motherhood or um, who, you know, have a a wonderful support system. And for young mothers in particular, that's always, you know, that's not the case. And I think especially as we're talking about um, uh, mothers of color and, you know, this teen pregnancy disproportionately impacts um, communities of color. So, you know, black and brown girls are more likely to um, become pregnant at a young age. And so, you know, when we think about all of these issues that are really important to us, uh, whether it's, it's postpartum depression or, um, uh, you know, um, celebrating mothers, you know, around Mother's Day or uh, child care and the importance of child care, often we're only talking about a certain subset of mothers. And um, we have to really broaden that umbrella. We have to really think more broadly about all mothers and really including them in a way that makes sure that we're uplifting and supporting them. And I felt that, you know, I felt that as a young mother on that campus at William & Mary, I knew that people made assumptions about me, about who I was, uh, you know, what I was capable of because I was a young mother. And um, and it often feels like a scarlet letter. I talk about that in the book, you know, that you feel like you have this target on your back and and people have already made up their minds about who you are and whether or not you're deserving of support. And I I was moved about how you wrote about student parents. And in in this particular reference, they get better grades than their non-parenting peers in many cases. So tell me more about that. Well, student parents are highly, highly motivated. You know, I know when I was at William & Mary, all I could do was think of, you know, all I could think about and and do was be a student and a mother. That's all I cared about. I had no room in my life for anything else. And and the reason for that was because I wanted my daughter to have the very best. And I knew that my college degree was going to be really vital to making sure that that happened. So I was highly, highly motivated. And every one of the students that that I have been able to work with who's parenting will say the same thing. You know, you're doing it for your child. I think every parent can identify with that desire to want to give your child the best and to to be able to provide for them. And so what we see in student parents uh, is that they they are highly motivated, which lends itself to, on average, they, they're making better grades than their parenting, their non-parenting peers. Amazing. But the statistic that really uh, stuck out to me in the book was less than 2% of teen moms get a degree before age 30. So you were, you were not the norm. No, definitely not the norm. I was 
uh, a rarity. And unfortunately, we continue to see those pretty dismal statistics. And, you know, what I hope people take away from reading Pregnant Girl is that while I did it, uh, it's not the norm. And there were so many times that I was extremely close to the edge. I was at, at you know, at, at, there was a chance I might not be able to um, pay my rent one month. There was, uh, I was in a really difficult relationship that could have derailed me, you know, not having food and having to skip meals. So I think what I'm hoping people take away from the book is just recognizing that my story is rare and what can we do to make sure that it's not rare? Because there are too many young parents right now that aren't earning that, that post-secondary credential that's really critical for them to be able to provide for their families. Nicole, we'll be right back after a quick break. Your working life is powered by your stories. We want to hear more from our listeners about your experiences in the workplace. Tell us what challenges you've overcome or tips you've learned along the way. And even better, if you don't have the answers, let us know what issues you want to know more about. We want this podcast to serve all of your working life needs. Send me an email at caroline at carolinedowdhiggins.com. So, Nicole, it's important for the audience to understand now that you're the founder and CEO of the nonprofit Generation Hope, helping uh, others uh, pursuing uh, education and particularly helping teen parents apply and stay in college. But the question that I want to ask you, um, in addition to learning more about Generation Hope, I find it really interesting that the financial aid out there on the federal and the state level doesn't really address student parents. Why not? And are you working on that in your work with Generation Hope? College affordability is huge. And so financial aid is a big, big part of this larger puzzle when it comes to helping more teen parents and student parents graduate from college. Um, One big issue is that the cost of higher education has skyrocketed since, for example, I was in college. And a Pell Grant is not going to be able to cover your expenses, uh, your tuition in most cases, and fees at an institution. Um, For student parents, you're not only needing that financial support to cover your tuition and fees, but you're also needing it for living expenses oftentimes, you know, uh, paying your rent, helping with childcare, the transportation costs that come with going to college, which are significant. And so because the costs of higher education have just skyrocketed over the past 20, 30 years, and at the same time, financial aid has not kept up, we're putting student parents in this really difficult situation that often seems impossible in terms of covering the cost, the real college costs for you to obtain your degree. It's going to be interesting with the new administration to see how we progress with this concept of at least community colleges being free uh, to to everyone uh, in this country. So I'm I'm eager for uh, college affordability to be addressed very seriously. Yeah, I think we see good things uh, on the horizon. I think uh, some of the the initiatives of the American Families Plan are really encouraging particularly for student parents, thinking about things like uh, affordable quality childcare, looking at free community college, um, looking at universal pre-K. I mean, those are all things that would be really beneficial, even more investments in the Pell Grant. uh, Those would all be things that are very beneficial to student parents if we're able to actually make them a reality. And so we're watching those. We're keeping a close eye on those initiatives. 
Tell me more about your work with Generation Hope. How how do uh, your clients find you and what types of work are you doing? Well, you know, when I started the organization, I started it because there just wasn't an organization in the D.C. region uh, that was focused on teen parents and college completion and very, very few across the country. You know, most people don't think about college when they think about this population. And so um, there was really this dearth of programming and support out there. And I launched the organization because I had my own lived experience of being a teen mom in college, but also had um, kind of given myself a training ground in nonprofit uh, management and put those things together and said, you know, I want to be able to address this gap in in services that need to exist out there. Um, And so we looked at what are the biggest supports that are critical for for teen parents to be successful in college. One is lack of emotional support. The other is lack of uh, uh, financial support. Those things, you know, the lack of those things make it very difficult for teen parents to make it across the finish line. And so our program is all about infusing those supports in the lives of our students. It's a very holistic wraparound program and model. We're not only supporting the parent and getting their college degree by by providing tuition assistance and emergency funding, um, mentoring, mental health support, career supports, but we're also helping their little ones get ready for kindergarten at the same time because we recognize that there's this close symbiotic relationship between a parent getting their college degree and being successful and their child really being successful. Um, And then in the last couple of years, you know, what we recognize is we've been doing this direct work with students over the past 10 plus years. And there are some real systemic challenges in in various systems uh, in our country that need to really be addressed in order for this population to have broader success. And so higher ed, by and large, is not really addressing the needs of parenting students. Um, What are those things in the social sector that need to be addressed in order to remove barriers for this population? So we're working now to launch national work that will really begin to address these larger systemic issues as well. You also write about social capital and why that is critically important to young parents because pregnancy can often push people away, especially when when people of color get pregnant. Tell me about that. That, That's something that uh, was was eye-opening to me in the book. Social capital is huge. And I think something that I hope people also get from this book is that there are so many underlying issues that are happening in the lives of young people way before a pregnancy that can really just decimate their social capital or they're coming into teen pregnancy without ever having that really strong and critical network for their own success. You know, we have students in our program who've grown up in the foster care system, who have lost parents young, um, who, uh, you know, have might have experienced extreme trauma uh, in childhood. And so they, they really came into uh, being young parents with these, these real disadvantages and real kind of um, uh, blows to their, to their support system. And so, that can already be happening in the life of a young parent. And then when you have a pregnancy, it can further uh, just, you know, completely decimate your your social capital. You might have a parent who says you have to leave and kicks you out on the street because of your pregnancy. Um, you may be isolated and marginalized at your at your high school. We have horror stories of, of young people who have just been really ostracized because of their pregnancy. And we all know, you know, we all need that critical support system to be successful. And and so to have a young parent really be out there on their own and expect them to, 
you know, graduate from high school and go to college and figure it all out is just not realistic and it's not happening. And healthcare, you know, I, I have to think it's got to be incredibly difficult because not everybody has access to healthcare. So how how do you address that in Generation Hope and the work that you're doing? So we really try to make sure that our families are connected to healthcare. We'll work with them on Medicaid. We'll work with them in other ways. Are there um, plans that we can get them connected to through their employer, for example? Um, we also try to identify community clinics um, that can be helpful in, in providing healthcare. So again, it's, it's another area where we really have to work with our families to piecemeal um, that healthcare together that's really critical for their family. You know, I was it was delighted to see you write about fatherhood and how some students and some um, gentlemen that you're working with in Generation Hope are teen dads. And it's not always a, a negative experience. So tell me more about that. I think teen dads get a really bad rap. And, and uh, there are so many negative stereotypes that are out there about teen mothers. And there are also these really negative stereotypes that are out there about teen fathers, that they don't care about their families. They don't care about their education. They're not involved. Uh, the young fathers we've had in our program have just been completely opposite of that. They fly in the face of those negative stereotypes, and they're so committed to their families. They're so committed to their education. It's been a, just a true honor to be able to walk with them in their college journeys, and, and we want to support more young fathers. And, you know, I'm hoping that Pregnant Girl really uh, challenges people to think differently about not only those stereotypes around teen mothers, but also the stereotypes around teen fathers. That's awesome. You know, here we are in 2021 navigating the continuous global pandemic journey. And, you know, happily things are picking up, the vaccines are, are more readily available, and we're seeing light at the end of the tunnel. But there's still a lot of unknown and ambiguity out there. And it, I'm sure that the pandemic has been really tough for student parents across the country and around the world, for that matter. We've got a, a global audience today. So, what kinds of things are colleges? and universities taking uh, to help these student parents? And, and in particular, what are you doing at Generation Hope? Well, I think that uh, coming into the pandemic, you know, most people just don't think about, they haven't thought about parenting college students. It's really an invisible population. And yet um, it's, it's one in five uh, uh, undergraduate students across the country is parenting. And, and almost half of all Black female undergraduate students across the country is parenting. So it's a significant population that no one was really talking about coming into COVID that was already in crisis prior to the pandemic. And we've seen that they that these crises have just been exacerbated by the, the virus and its many impacts. Uh, so you have students who are parenting who were homeless coming into the pandemic. They were already food insecure. They were already struggling with employment. Um, they were already at risk of falling through the cracks in terms of their education. Child care was already precarious. And so, you know, now COVID-19 has just exacerbated all of those challenges. And student parents overlap with so many different groups that we talk about in these silos. We talk about low-income students, students of color. Uh, we talk about women. I mean, uh, we all know that women have been just disproportionately impacted by this virus, particularly Black and brown women. And um, and that those are the women who are more likely to be parenting college students. So um, what we've seen is that this group is really at the epicenter of, of the crisis within this pandemic. And um, some of the things that we have really been encouraged by at colleges and universities is seeing institutions 
prioritizing student parents and their emergency grants, recognizing that this population has been particularly vulnerable to losing childcare, to you know being evicted, to being food insecure, all of the things that could derail them from their degrees. And also um, starting to really talk about student parents in a way that they weren't talking about before, recognizing that this is a population that, you know, we need to start paying attention to. We need to start investing in. At Generation Hope, what has been critical for our students to make sure they survive this pandemic has been those wraparound supports. So being able to help them navigate not just college, but helping with, uh, you know, making sure they can pay rent this month, helping to make sure they have food in the fridge. We have uh, stepped up all of our mental health supports, knowing that it's been a really stressful time for them. And so it's it's been really about how do we do more of those wraparound holistic supports. And we've seen we've seen the benefits of that. About 93 percent of our students stayed enrolled uh, throughout the pandemic. And we know that that hasn't been the case. Uh, we've all seen the headlines around declining enrollment for particular groups of students. Um, and 95 percent of them maintain GPAs of 2.5 or higher. So this works. You know, when we really try to meet the needs of these students, we see that they stay in school and they stay the course. So, Nicole, I'd love to switch as, as we wrap toward the end, just to hear a bit about your experience as a Black female founder in the philanthropy world, because you are rare, and it is extraordinary what you're doing with Generation Hope. What's that like, especially when you're seeking financial support, uh, you know, looking for, for ways to support the extraordinary work that you're doing? You know, I think any founder, no matter what color you are, it's challenging to start something from ground zero and to have a vision and convince people that this vision can be a reality. I think it's particularly hard as a Black woman leading this organization or any nonprofit organization because the doors are just not often open to you. The doors that often hold those resources to take your organization to the next level are, are really you know, not open to you. When you show up in a room, you show up differently and people treat you differently. And all of those things can really uh, prevent an organization from thriving, can prevent leaders from being able to innovate in the way that they think is really important to innovate. And, and the reality is, is that we have the closest proximity uh, to the communities that are being served by by nonprofit organizations. So we are really proximate to the solutions that are authentic and that can really move the needle. Um, less than 1% of foundation giving across this country lands in the hands of Black female founders and nonprofit leaders. So we have a lot of work to do to make sure in the philanthropy sector in particular um, that that donations and grants are going to uh, Black-led organizations, particularly those led by women, um, that are really out there doing the grassroots work that's vitally important. So, Nicole, we've got millions of listeners around the world. Some may be teen moms or teen dads, or others may know of a teen mom or a teen dad. What's the one thing that you want people listening to know? Uh, believe in this in this population. Believe in their pot- potential. Believe in their ability to do great things. Um, don't create limits for them. I think what we see at Generation Hope every day is that when we invite our students to dream big, no matter what their journey has been, it's amazing to see what they can accomplish. So I would invite everyone who's listening to uh, to really believe in the potential of young parents and to foster that potential. 
Nicole Lynn Lewis, you are awesome. I have learned so much from you and I am deeply grateful for our time today. Let me tell our global audience about the title of your incredible book. I've got it right in front of me. It's called Pregnant Girl, a story of teen motherhood, college, and creating a better future for young families. Nicole, I wish you continued success and I'm, I'm deeply grateful for our time together on the show today. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been great. Hey, I want to tell everybody too, the book is available on Amazon and anywhere that books are sold. So I hope you will absolutely check it out. And if you like the show, subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or SoundCloud, and even better, leave a review because this helps new people find us online. And let me know what career-minded issues you'd like for me to feature on a future show. You can find me on Twitter at C. Dowd Higgins. And a special thanks to my podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Thanks for listening. 